WTS presents 3, 2, 1 All the Feelings This episode Regression Welcome back, everyone, to WTS colon ATF. It is us, Pete and Tommy. Pete, say hi. Hi, I'm Pete. This is exciting. We're already on episode four. It's flying by. All the feelings. So far, so, so many good. Of them. Uh, one at a time, thank God. One at a time, thank God. Yes, this we have a weird one this time. And both of us were like, hey, this sounds like fun. And then both of us called each other yesterday and we're like, do you have any ideas? I think that's going to be a nope. great episode because we have a lot of exciting things coming. But uh, do you want to say what this one is, Pete? This week, Tom, regression. Regression. Noun. A return to a former or less developed state. Now, Tom. Yeah. If I might have the floor. Oh, please. The floor is yours. I started thinking about it. As you know, I start to think about things. And then the brain goes off into interesting places. And so before I started looking up what regression is and regression, how it's used in therapy, um, I thought about my experience, experiences that I've had in my life or memories I've had in my life that lead me back to that, the, the direct feeling that in my body, the somatic experience of when I was that age and that event happened to me. And I wonder if I could share with you some of them. I would love that. <laughs> That's fun. I, I just have a couple. And yeah. I'm sure I, maybe I've already talked about them. Okay. Uh, one, elementary school. I got in a, oh, God. It choked. Like these, when I say these out loud, they make me choke a little bit oh, no. because I still share, I still have all of Part the feelings of you still that there. went along. Yeah. yeah, still very much there. Woodman Roberts Elementary School. Mm -hmm. Exterior, Woodman Roberts Elementary <laughs> School. Uh, I'm on the playground. I had just gotten in an argument with a kid named Joe. I think I'm in the fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And we're on the playground. And he had just made me so mad that I wanted to fight him. And I did not know how to fight anyone. <laughs> and Joe, I think, was better at it than I was. Yeah. And so we squared off. There was It was just like a stupid high school movie where there is a fight and we squared off and they were surrounded by other surrounded, kids. Immediately surrounded by were, people. Yeah. yeah, I think they were yelling, fight, 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 yeah. or shiv him, shiv him. Right. I mean, I think it was a prison riot. <laughs> and I started the fight oh, no. and I started with an open palm slap. Nice. <laughs> Box his ears. Old timey style. He slapped him in the face. And he thought it was, it was a worst. duel. He... <laughs> Joe started laughing hysterically. Oh, no. Everyone else started laughing. I ran off and I hid behind the tool shed, the maintenance shed, for like an hour. I didn't go back to class. <laughs> they had to find me. They had to send rescue dogs. Yeah. It was so, so embarrassing. Okay. That was number one. I, that was fourth grade. Yep. <laughs> this, I, I'm almost sure I talked about this one. I was under 10, I nine or 10, and I lit my bedspread on fire in my bedroom. Have I told you this story? <laughs> Sounds familiar, but ask, I don't remember. Ask me why. Ask me why. I'll tell you. Don't worry about it. Because this was big. Mm -hmm. Optimus Prime and Snake Eyes were having a battle, and they needed pyrotechnics. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that was horrifying. Uh -huh. yeah. Absolutely terrifying experience. And, you made the all-spark. You know, it was one—the reason it was so scary yeah. was that I— 
didn't tell anyone for years because I managed to put it out. So I had the whole adrenaline rush, like the whole roller coaster. Yeah. And then I just t- I turned it around and tucked it under the bed. <laughs> it was probably three years later. Wow. When I got new bedding and my my mom pulled the sheets up and was like looking at the bedspread. And it's like missing a corner. Just just destroyed. And my room always I used new car freshener, like air freshener tags, and I rubbed it all over. And so I just remember like my mom and dad came in and said, Why does your yeah. room smell like pine what's going on there's something why is your bedroom that weird bedroom from seven (laughs) where the guy that was sloth was kept yeah yeah yes that's what it was like all right number three uh uh, this was i was at my aunt pat's house and uh this is the dog story do you know the dog story i don't know go ahead all right this is gonna be another doozy i was at the aunt pat's house and she says uh as she she was in the shower and i think she was I was, again, probably 10 or 11, and she was in the shower, and we were in, me and this neighbor girl were in Aunt Pat's uh, bedroom, Mm -hmm. and Aunt Pat's dog was sitting on the bed. This neighbor girl was sitting on the bed. I was sitting on the floor, and the neighbor girl was poking the dog, and I said, don't poke that dog. She says, why not? I said, it's going to bite you. Mm. She said, don't poke that dog. She pokes the dog. She said, the dog's not going to bite me. I said, the dog's going to bite you. She says, it's like a house dog. It's not going to bite you. Dog whips around and bites me and grabs my ear and gives it a good shake and rips it clean off my head. What? Yeah, I know. I'm loving your face right now. You, this is your really ear awesome. came off? Yeah, yeah. And to this day, Wait, but my you left have ears, ears. I've seen your face. I, I do. I have ears. They did an amazing job putting it back on. And, Wait, and is this I read, real? They, You've never yeah, told this, this story. Legit. I've never yeah. heard about your face coming off your face. <laughs> Oh, my God. It's so fun, right? This is really delightful for us. Um, and so Ooh. the dog, they ended up having to put the dog down. The, <laughs> there were two traumatic pieces that take me back to that space that I started screaming, yeah. one, holding my ear on. And Aunt <laughs> Pat was in the shower and ran out of the shower and runs into her bedroom completely <laughs> nude. And I was 10 and she was older and I was terrified. That was number one. I remember that like it was yesterday. And you didn't know and to number... avert your eyes because you didn't hear her coming. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then the ride to the hospital, we were in Houston, Texas. Mm. And there's a lot of traffic at 4 p.m. in Houston. And I think we were in the car, in the van. I had a, this crazy uncle that I had never met. And he, I, my head was on his lap and he was holding my ear on so tight that by the time we got to the hospital, they had to dissolve the scab that was forming oh. his hand to my head. There was so much blood. And and then they sewed it back on. And the that experience of having, they had to have a nurse sit on me because I was so, uh, it was it hurt so much. And they put it back on and they sent me home. Not bad, right? Wow. That's that's right. I'm regressing. So that was one. And then I have one more. Can Jeez I have Louise. one more? Because this I'm going to leave you on an upper. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, my wife. You've met my wife. My wife. <laughs> she's uh, delightful. Yep. <laughs> and when we were 13 together, mm-hmm. we went to the same middle school. We were in the eighth grade. And uh, we started hanging out wink and we went on these long walks hand holding walks and i thought at some point there's going to be a kiss in it i Mm. know i'm going to have to make a move and she was like not shying away as we held hands more Mm -hmm. and so we went to the park 
in Colorado Springs, Monument Valley Park, and there's a swing. And she got on the swing and she was swinging. And I thought, I think this might be it. This is my, this is my moment, right? This yep. is my John Cusack moment. Oh, sure. And I decided to make my move by st- standing in front of her, oh. actively swinging. Oh, no. And we, I managed to orchestrate a face c- collision <laughs> in the form of a kiss. <laughs> That gives me so much. My heart is racing telling you this story. But it does count as a kiss. Well, especially because she graciously allowed me to regroup. And so she got off the swing and we adjusted ourselves and we did it again. And now we're married. I was afraid you were going to say she took your ear in her mouth and gave it a good shake. (laughs) Or you did an open (laughs) slap. (laughs) You you regress so much. (laughs) You slap her, and then your ear falls off. Yeah, yeah, that was good. So good. The, those, all of those stories, I count as like seminal stories in Pete's like origin story, right? All of right. those make up who I am. And when I think about them, if I close my eyes, like I am there, I am right there. They you are so resonant the and so clear yeah. to me. Yeah. That's so I don't know. Does that do you have any of those? Did you think about any of those stories yourself? No, I thought about other people <laughs> because I'm perfect. <laughs> hey, I had one of those last week. <laughs> and that brings me, Pete, to a harrowing tale that happened oh, just so last weekend. Are you ready? Are you telling me your tale regresses you to last weekend? <laughs> no. Nope. Because that's not, I don't think that's far that's enough. Not what I checked I'm saying. the rules. It will all make sense. And if it doesn't, okay. I'm just gonna turn off my mic and move. <laughs> All right. So last weekend, I was at a play downtown in Los Angeles. Um, I'm not going to worry about the play or blah, 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 blah. But there was a woman there, Pete. I'm going to skip right to it. There was a woman there. I don't know who she is. Okay. So we're going to just call her MC for lack of any kind of phrase. Now, the first time I noticed MC was when I was reserving a drink for halftime. You go up uh, to the desk and say, I want a Coke. Uh, for I'm sorry, intermission halftime. Halftime? Yeah. That was I threw a flag on the field. <laughs> yeah, in she my did. Head. <laughs> uh, the line was long and lobby bells were already bing bonging and stuff, and they're trying to get us all in there. But she's holding up the line. She's in front, and I'm about eight people back. She's taking a selfie video of herself, you know, as you do from high up, looking uh, up at the camera of herself ordering a drink and then spinning around to show the whole crowded lobby. And people are like looking around and rolling their eyes. She seems very oblivious to all of it. And it sort of just takes up some time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, I finally get up to the front. I'm ordering a drink and I see her loudly talking about the play she's about to see into her phone, standing in the middle again of this crowded lobby where people are trying to get to their seats. Flash forward about, let's say six minutes later, I'm walking up the stairs to the balcony where I'm seated, like a real Lincoln. I'm walking uh-huh. up the stairs to the balcony, and there's a holdup. Like, there's just sort of a traffic jam. And this oh. is a matinee, so there's, like, a lot of elderly people there. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's already rickety already. And there's a holdup, and people are grumbling, and then someone yells, keep moving! And I look up the stairs, and there's MC. She's standing two-thirds of the way up the stairs, again, selfie-videoing herself, talking loudly with the crowd below her. And she's holding up the line, just sort of being like, here I am at the Amundsen Theater, and we, and do da do da do da okay? Again. Okay. So Yeah, no, I'm getting riled up. Let's put MC to the side right now. This. Seems like nobody can. This horrible thing that happened at the Amundsen. This is on the heels of, what else? Cardi B. You know Cardi B. 
Bodak Yellow. I've heard of Cardi B. Did you know that in July she had a drink thrown at her while she was singing in a concert? Did you no. know a later in July Harry Styles was hit by an object thrown from a fan in Vienna, Australia, and he had to stop the concert because his eyes started hurting? I think it's Austria. What did I say? Vienna, Vienna Australia? Australia. No, it wasn't. <laughs> That's how crazy this was. <laughs> 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 oh my god no it was like a boomerang phone anyways <laughs> that sucks um and then did you know that on july 5th drake was hit by a cell phone thrown at him during a concert in chicago uh-huh did you know no. that after that i didn't know it. in london pink was performing at a concert and a woman ran up to the front and placed a bag containing her mother's ashes <laughs> on the stage i'm not joking <laughs> this is all oh, things you can find what about movies? Reddit and TikTok were recently flooded by accounts of rude audience members scrolling on their phones or talking during Barbenheimer screenings. When people mm -hmm. would go see Barbie or Oppenheimer or both, ironically, a lot of these people were being filmed by other people during the same screenings to show on TikTok, so lose-lose. Uh, and just this week, friend of the show Todd Weinger and his beautiful wife Dara uh, shared a story of seeing Oppenheimer finally in a fancy pants movie theater with reclining seats and the front row was all people playing games on their phones. What does all of this have to do, Pete? I'm, I, I seriously, yeah. still, yeah. tenterhooking. Yeah, 10 words and a question mark. Why don't we know how to behave in public anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I would like to talk about, and I know I've been a little bit of a grouch, about this in the past of people being all about themselves or be not being empathetic, mm -hmm. but none of this is new, but there has been a significant uptick about this. And I think a lot of it has to do with our old friend that we never want to stop talking about the pandemic. Uh, you yeah. remember last season, we did an entire episode about people losing their minds on airplanes. Uh, yes. So much so that the FAA was going nuts with PSAs and things. And that's still happening. Um, I guess I remember the lockdown was terrible, but do you remember there was that one little sweet spot where we regressed, but in a good way? Not everyone, but I'm just saying a lot of people that I knew, like all of a sudden people started baking bread again. Yes. And so much bread. I like actually, cause flour sold out. So I delivered flour to a friend of mine in uh, downtown Los Angeles because she couldn't get any. And then she would mm -hmm. like take pictures of bread. Jigsaw puzzle sales went through the roof, I assume. Through the roof. Through the roof. Things got a little simpler as they got harder. Mm -hmm. But something else happened. <laughs> Apparently during the lockdown, we didn't have large scale social events, of course. And people have forgotten to act uh, now that they're back. And I'm not alone in thinking this. There's an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at Columbia University named Ryan Sultan. You know, Ryan. He mm -hmm. says that the pendulum swing from gathering in real life to being relegated to social media to now in 2023, coming back to real life events may explain why people are being disruptive and not fully comprehending the impact they're having on those around them. They're using the modes of social connection they got accustomed to, posting a video from a movie theater, scrolling through social media during a Broadway play, treating a concert like a performance they're watching from home in a setting that's inappropriate. They're not alone anymore, and they've forgotten maybe how to be it. And they haven't shifted back. That in a way, they've regressed from knowing how to behave in public. Does any of that resonate? Do you agree with that? This is just well, sort of uh, something that I'm putting forward as a possibility. Yeah. 
Yeah, I do. And, I, you know, uh, that's really interesting because it it reminds us, like, I, I think what you're talking about is, with the pandemic takes people to this space that was recent and super resonant. But I think the the angle of regression is that when we were in the pandemic, I think it unlocked even earlier fears, anxieties, uncertainties that came to the surface when we were at home, right? Because there were okay. a lot of people who were terrified, but that terror comes from a a, a childlike place, right? Of that getting sick, of, of we don't of know what's wrong. Sick, of we don't know what's going to happen. We don't like, know if we can touch things. We don't know how right. it's happening, right? That's a right. Good point. The entire world is weaponized, right, all of a sudden. Right. And we don't know how to deal with it. And then we, I, it just feels like we sort of adjusted to that. And I think that's where the, the collision between, like, we now know how to go outside again, but we don't know how to behave because we haven't progressed. <laughs> we haven't unregressed. From so you that think that state. we're just still in like a self because I think some of the regression comes from selfishness or at least lack yeah. of empathy, lack of awareness. Because who did we have to be entitled to when we were at home? Right. Just ourselves. Just ourselves. Yeah. That's all we were. Right. But but like so much of the I mean, does your does your fancy pants, uh, Dr. Brian, does does he have any insights on unregressing? Because mm -hmm. to it it feels so much like what we lost has to be practiced again. Like the only way out of this is going to be just doing more of it and getting more comfortable with that uncertainty. Right. And like, do we, is, do we have a way to recreate social norms? Well, we're creating new social norms. <laughs> Ryan That's the problem. Ryan doesn't talk about this, but one of the things that this has also led to in that the idea of being, we talked before about the idea of new normal. Mm -hmm. um, and how gross of a phrase that is, but we keep using it. <laughs> um, yeah. New normal regression as a way of moving forward, in effect, is, uh, do you know why I called the theater person that lady MC? No. Is because there is an upsettingly tangible example, actually, that Ryan does talk about, of the self-interested behavior that they now call, have you heard of main character syndrome? Oh... Yeah, where we're all the main character of our storyline. Correct. You seem to believe that everything that happens around them only contributes to your story. Which I think is something that's been around for a long, long time, right? We've been talking about this for a long time. Yes, but it seems to be... Yes, I think so. Uh, and social media has been an enormous factor of that. And social clout, yeah. all of that has really rocketed this to the surface. Um, but... At one point, this idea of being a main character in your story could be confused with, like, mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Like, it could just be, it, that's right, you should be the main character in your story. Otherwise, you're codependent or something. Mm -hmm. But at some point, it became, everyone else became such secondary supporting actors that you just treat them as if they're not there. That's that's the lack of empathy. That's the lack right? of empathy. That's the sort of the problem. And you brought up what can we do? No, I have not found answers other than it seems to be shame. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Like there but are a I couple websites yeah, that, that are like, work like when like you gentle ribbing, like you don't have to be like, move it. Yeah. And ring a bell yeah. and have them walk naked through the streets. Um, they'd love that. Uh, but like a gentle ribbing or something. But yeah, pointing it out saying does that work 
I don't know. I think sometimes it might make people, some people dig in more, more. Yeah, and dig that's in. what I, I worry. Like, if you already think you're the main character, then just calling people out when you, you just said they'd love that. Right. Talking about the Cersei Lannister syndrome. Yeah. Right. That that to me seems like, oh, you're feeding the attention that they so wantonly crave, like that their inner child so deeply wants. But I think that they want positive. I don't think that it's necessarily a case of any press is good press. That if they are shamed in public, that if they are and shamed in public, I don't mean that we should walk up to people and throw paint on them. I just mean if you point something out. I have done that very, um, not uh, in a very aggressive way, but I've done that. I have gone up to someone who was speaking on speakerphone in a Barnes mm -hmm. and Noble very loudly, and I just sort of leaned over and said, this is a bookstore. Mm -hmm. That's all I said. This is a bookstore. And it kind of woke her up. It was interesting. She was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. And then she said, mm -hmm. I got to go by. And then she said, sorry about that. And I said, thank you for being cool about it. Like it was very civil, yeah. but I could see the light go on in her eyes that she just wasn't aware. It's a bookstore. It's like a library. You're not supposed to go in there and have a screaming match. Okay. Is that a dumb Let example? Does that help at all? No, it's a good example oh, because good. it allows me to poke out your failures. Oh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I just, yeah. but I do look at the other side of that, which is what I, I wonder if is, is higher risk. The first place I go, when you tell me you confronted somebody who was screaming at their phone on speakerphone mm -hmm. is I think you might be the anomaly in being able to delicately point out Delicate that that behavior is right. in, inappropriate. And I think most of us right now, and I'll say us, though I've never done this personally, are looking more for the opportunities for views and likes and would sooner pick up their camera and share somebody screaming at their phone oh. on in, and post that to TikTok, right? Like, right. look at this idiot screaming on their phone in, in their form of call-outism. Which and doesn't that's get back the thing to the that frustrates, person. Yeah. Right. That frustrates me more mm -hmm. than than the than the behavior itself right. right well then we're also in a way and i'm sorry to keep like forcing this word in but i just want to make sure that we stay on track we're regressing from each other if all yeah. we're doing is using our phones or cameras or whatever as a barrier in between us and showing everyone else then there's no actual real connection and therefore right. yes things will not go back that it makes sense that yeah. you're your own uh, that when a fight breaks out, the first thing you no one races in to stop them, you bring out your phone to take them. Yeah. 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 And that's a, I think that really is a version of social regression, which is a shame. And I maybe I should have leaned in more to the social media part in this segment than anything else, because it's fascinating how developments in technology can lead to regression. Of human well, that's, interaction yes. and human connection, which is really, yeah. I like it when things pushing us forward push us backwards. I don't like it. I find it interesting. <laughs> I hate it. It's terrible. <laughs> well, I find it interesting because it seems like the technology enables us to move our lives forward as main characters without dealing with the issues that we're really needing to deal with in our lives, right? Like, right. what are the underlying uh, conditions that cause someone like MC to constantly need to be on stage right. on TikTok or Reels or whatever it is that MC is using? What are the underlying conditions that cause someone to feel so hurt 
at a perceived violation on an airplane that they start throwing punches? Mm. What are the underlying conditions that cause someone to to act first by taking out their phone to film a video of something and not save someone from the giant goose that's attacking another <laughs> pedestrian on a path? You saw my Remember video? that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So, like, those are the things that I think I'm more, I'm really more interested mm-hmm. in given the behavior that you've just outlined like what is it that we need to to consider in as a form of regression and regression therapy and how do we how do we approach it in a way that can help us behave better right i we're going to that's what i'm i just want to walk through it in a little bit i want to walk through some key learning observations from some of the the reading that I've been doing on this subject, and we might just have a special guest hop in at a completely random time. What? Who is definitely more equipped to help us answer this question? Right, because uh, we don't have any but, answers, but we're just no, we're just asking sure. questions. We're the Fox no. News of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Why would I put that on tape? <laughs> And now, a cheerful excerpt about regression from Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. It concerns a group of vigilantes returning from a raid in the Wild West. They ride into town, haggard and haunted and blackened by the sun. The lines and pores of their skin deeply grimed with gun black where they'd washed the bores of their weapons. Even the horses looked alien to any he'd ever seen, decked as they were in human hair and teeth and skin. Save for their guns and buckles and a few pieces of metal in the harness of the animals, there was nothing about these arrivals to suggest even the discovery of the wheel. In times of war, victories and defeats are often measured by the progression of one army into their opponent's territory. By gaining purchase of said land, one side slowly advances towards domination over their foes. But sometimes the smartest offense is a good defense, and the best way forward is to retreat. This type of regression was the case in New York in August 1776. Just a few months after the signing of the Declaration of Independence, the British Army had General George Washington's troops on the ropes. Following two major attacks in Long Island and Brooklyn, around 9,000 American troops were trapped alongside the East River. The British soldiers dug in for a siege, but Washington knew it was a losing battle and chose a different way forward, backward. He ordered his men to find as many boats up and down the coast as possible. And under cover of a hard rain and nightfall, he ferried his men slowly, boat after boat after boat, past the unsuspecting Brits. They used rags to cover the sound of their oars, and if and when the British did poke their heads up to see their enemies, they saw dozens of campfires still lit in the distance. Unbeknownst to them, the campfires were deserted. With the help of these tactics and a dense fog bank, the next morning, all 9,000 colonists slipped past the British army before anything was discovered. Officer Benjamin Talmadge later said, Quote, in the history of warfare, I do not recollect a more fortunate retreat. 
Don't feel like retreating like Washington and his mobs? Want to keep progressing instead of regressing? Then how about you charge ahead and charge your credit card by joining Feeling Friends today? Yes, for the low, low price of $35, you will help Pete and I keep this podcast boat afloat. We use the money for beeps and boops, and it's important, but we don't take it all and don't give anything back. You will get live episodes that you can watch along with us. You'll get member episodes that are special just for you and just for you only. You'll get early access to things. You'll get stickers, and you will get the one-of-a-kind, very new uh, What's That Smell bingo card that you can use to play along with every episode. So thank you, everybody. We love doing this, but it is not free, so we would love to have you be one of our feeling friends for $35. Go to allthefeelings.fun right now and join us and we can regress together. All right, Tom. Mm-hmm. Regression. 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 So when what <laughs> do we have a is this musical theater? What's up? What, isn't that a song? Or, oh, that's tradition from Fiddler. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yes, from Fiddler. Right. Regre- so it would be a yeah. very different play yeah. if it were if, if it was Fiddler regression. Was regression. <laughs> Fiddler I so I started. <laughs> I started looking into into regression and and how it is used in therapy. And I, I did you look into any of this because it's it's legit. No, the only thing that I know about regression therapy is at one point it was a little controversial mm-hmm. because someone was, I believe, killed. A patient was killed in a game nationwide news because one of the things they were doing were compressing them. They were like putting a bunch of mattresses on them, like compression therapy, and in order to regress being put back into a state of like the womb and the person stopped breathing. Or I misread an article about compression theory, <laughs> uh, <laughs> compression therapy, and I should, all of this should be cut out. Well, goodbye. <laughs> I don't sure. know anything about that, but it would not surprise me that some enterprising therapist is trying to uh, capture that state state dependent kind of memory and end up there but that's that's not where i went at all Oops. and wow well yes uh, no i'm not wrong it, the it's a type of regression therapy called rebirthing yeah. okay so it's real okay. regressive so maybe that's separate from regression but it's still that's bringing you back to a very early state it was called very rebirthing. early state and after uh 70 minutes where she was wrapped from head to toe and surrounded by pillows uh she suffocated Sorry about that. That sounds absolutely horrible. Yeah. That sounds awful. Yep. That sounds like nothing that we would recommend because we are not experts. We are podcasters who feel. And as someone who could probably suffocate in a ball pit, I would not ever want to be put in that situation. (laughs) Not not a good candidate. No. The the thing that I'm most interested in, and particularly off of your your, uh, commentary earlier in the show, what is it? What is the set of behaviors that leads us to uh, identifying or lead specialists to identifying, hey, maybe you are a good candidate for some therapy that includes regression, that includes like really exploring your 
past self, your younger self. And there are lots of different types of regression therapy. As Tom just said, uh, compression therapy, which is not a thing. I made that up. Rebirthing therapy. Um, You know, going all the way back there, there's past life regression, right? There's Hmm. or or there's just the general regression that that comes from being in contact with the feelings and experiences that you've been carrying around since you were a child, Mm -hmm. right? Like those things that I talked about in our opening. I, I feel like those are those are some of the things. But what are the behaviors? How might a therapist look at uh, someone who would be a candidate for regression, some sort of regression therapy? Okay. The manifestations include things like people who frequently use baby talk in conversation. Uh, they need huh. comfort, comfort objects, right? Or, or have the inability to perform self-care, right? If you if you can't take care of yourself, brush your teeth, comb your hair, take showers, uh, you might need some regression therapy. Incontinence is a well, is a sign. But these are all things that feel like they're already you're in a regressed state. So how would taking you back farther help? Them? Well, that what, like not being able yeah. to take care of yourself, needing comfort objects. Those are very young things. Well, that's right, and and that's the issue of unexplored trauma in youth. That says, you know what, you we we haven't closed the door on that chapter of oh, your life. I that see. door going back, reg- is going open. back, using regression, going back to find out what happened when yeah. and why that behavior is continuing. Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's that's my understanding of it. So, um, uh, these kinds of things would would cause a specialist to say, hey, you know, you're you're not coping well. Right. You're not coping well. You've got uh, th- these are some medical issues that are coming up. Delirium, psychiatric disorders like psychosis, neurological conditions like dementia. Um, some of these things can be can be alleviated by certain types of regression therapy. Um, hmm. The the treatment of these underlying issues. And, and this is where some of the words we were using earlier, like empathy, creating behavioral plans to add structure, medications for conditions like depression. So you can sort of close the window of, on some of these other things and open the door yeah. to be able to look at your younger self. Um, and, and of course, non-pharmacological approaches, you know, like general empathetic talk therapy and reassurance therapy, therapy yeah. right? Those kinds of things um, can really help. And and regression is apparently not well studied. And I think its reputation is hmm. sometimes put in the corner with like, you know, the the maybe the woo-wooier side of hypnotherapy. And sure. we've talked about hypnosis and, and uh, you know, in past seasons. Um, and it, note that it is it, like, it's legitimate therapy, right? You can, you can, do a lot of good work in in hypnosis, but hypnosis, I think, is in many in many ways can be cataloged as a as a regressive therapy technique, right? Like there are right. many tools there. This is opening a door to how we behave in the world and how that behavior is connected to our very earliest trauma. And so much of cognitive behavior therapy and talk therapy is based in. You know, the old joke is tell me about your mother. It yeah. all goes back to your childhood. But if regressive therapy is instead of just just tell me about that stuff, but really trying to get you back there. Yeah. Really trying to open it up and bring it. That's like that feels like the next step of something that we're already doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To help unlock the things that you don't because you don't know where a lot of the pillars are. Yeah. Of because they're pillars and they're covered up by all of your other BS. Yeah, right. That's what makes them so strong. Or or mirrors, and you just walk into them, right? Like the, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 
So we have, uh, there, there are a number of different ways that regression therapy can be used in emotional and behavioral therapy. And I just want to run mm-hmm. through a couple because these are, these are trigger words that if you think, hey, maybe I could use some, some uh, uh, inner child work or I could use some regression yeah. therapy to help me get over some things. Past life regression uh, is, is when we guide, uh, we're guided through a hypnotic state to recall memories from past lives and uncover root causes of current issues, right? That's what we're getting to with some but of past the, lives, yeah. not going back to your childhood, but that, right. This so is you have to life. believe in reincarnation. You do. Yeah. Got it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, and this is in contrast to the second one, which is a little bit more grounded age regression. Mm-hmm. Right. When you are guided mm-hmm. to re-experience memories, emotions and events from earlier developmental stages, what you were talking about, rebirthing, um, it, it can help underscore childhood traumas or attachment issues or anything that impacts adult behaviors. And you can start to see when you start talking about the story of MC and the need to have the attention, the need to be on stage. Right. right? So much right. of that could easily be attributed to an attachment issue and and um you know maybe oh, that's a good point right that maybe there are some root causes there you know um cathartic regression encouraging the release of intense emotions associated with past trauma the focus is uh it tends to be on emotional discharge versus cognitive insight so it's not so much talk therapy we're not talking about mm-hmm. past trauma we're saying we're going to unlock how you feel about something. Now, this gets to what I was talking about when we opened, like how quickly I get to the levels of shame and embarrassment of when I was I slapped Joe on the parking on the the field. Right. Yeah, that's that's what we're talking about here, because um, those feelings are expressible in uh, rage, tears, screams, beating up a pillow, whatever. Like those are the things that get that release the 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 emotional clog and so potentially physical, physicalizing yeah, a memory and potentially allows to unlock the right. the ability to talk about it later huh. so um symbolic regression we're going to go real dan brown oh, by the way yeah. emo- emotional clog is the other name for yeah, this podcast totally <laughs> okay go ahead uh, using guided imagery and metaphor to access the unconscious. Uh, you're guided through, uh, you know, a tunnel or a forest. You're on an escalator. Some sort of symbol of regression, of going down. And you end up, oh, sure. when you end in this in this sort of um, liminal space in your head, you can find the symbols. I think dream therapy, Jung, like this is the sort yeah. of area that you're going to be exploring. Of course, all this like is... Like the elevator in yeah. Yeah. Inception. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Going to the different levels. Hypnotherapy uses, uh, obviously, hypnosis to uncover repressed memories and underlying causes or symptoms and Mm -hmm. uh, allows you to remember stuff that you've forgotten or that you remember but haven't been able to put words to in a long time. Right. Like you can remember the emotional state and then unlock language to describe it. Um, There are a couple others here that I, I don't think we talk about all that much. Parts therapy. Accessing child states or ego states frozen at developmental stages due to trauma. Communication between adult self and these parts fosters integration and healing. Oh, my gosh. I am stunned and the clock is ticking. It's Dr. Dodge. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. All right. 
Hey, everybody. I just want you to know, Dodge jumped in in the middle of his incredibly busy day, and then he had to leave again, and we didn't get access to him again. But I want you to know, we know, me and Tom, we know that his audio is really uh, lousy. But he says some interesting things, and we wanted you to hear it anyway. So just know that we know that you'll know that the audio is not good, and we hope that you don't judge us too harshly by it. But it's interesting, and it only goes on for a few minutes. So uh, uh, bear with us, and... Uh, back to the show. This is in the you're in the middle of our segment talking about different kinds of therapy uh, uh, to uh, regression therapy and Dodge, as a doctor, as a psychologist, um, I you and a dear friend of both of ours, uh, hmm. I asked you if you would come on and tell us what you think and how regression therapy is used. Do you have a tight five for us? I got a tight five pretty tight if, <laughs> okay. if it needs to be six just to nail that last no nope, it's only seconds. five that's no, all only. we have okay i so what we were talking about was like why why do you use it and what do you see as a consideration for when somebody might need to go down this road of um of of regression in therapy excellent question um can I start with a little bit of like what I understand regression to be and like why anyone would do it at all? And then like, we'll see if we can like zero in on the bullseye. So there's some context. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I'll allow it, but, but watch yourself counselor. <laughs> um, all right. Well, okay. For starters, the Dow that can be spoken, not the Dow. I mean, this is like a ridiculous of me to try and cover in minutes, um, but I'm going to do it. Uh, not because it will be comprehensive, but because it is awesome to add to a cool conversation about a really cool topic. Um, so that's that's the starter part. Um, the second part is to say, if you think about regression in the global sense, like the idea basically, re in my mind, refers to making intentional contact with like younger states of mind and feeling with the goal of changing how those younger states of mind and feelings are affecting us in the present, right? So if you've got old stuff that's working on you pretty regularly and is affecting how you see and experience your life in the present, um, sums up, right? It's, it's affecting you. So to me, that begs a question of like, what's the freaking deal about younger states? Like, why do we care so much what happened when we were six or 12 or something when we've often had decades of adulthood and, you know, therapists don't seem to spend a lot of time asking, yeah, but what happened when you were 32? You know, they seem to always want to know about the really young years. Um, and there are two really useful ways to think about that. And they tie together nicely. The first one is um, neurologically, actually. Um, you know, the old phrase, uh, neurons that fire together, wire together. Do you know that I've phrase? I've never heard that phrase. Mm. Is that is that an old saw you learned in the Navy? <laughs> exactly. I used that this morning. <laughs> <laughs> right before you got on this show, Dodge. Right, rewind the tape. Yeah. yeah, it's right there. So neurons that fire together, wire together. That means basically like our brains are highly associative. Um, if on a regular basis we uh, experience, let's say, um, I don't know, a particular sound uh, with a particularly pleasant or let's say terrifying experience, then those two can get wired together even if we don't know. Um, people who've experienced trauma 
um, often when they're having some kind of flashback, it's triggered because of two things that wired together that they didn't even know about. It might have been the sound of a door slamming or the color of what somebody was wearing, and they'll see that later as an adult and have a panic attack and have no idea why. Um, but that was the pairing, right? And the thing about the young brain is that um, that wiring is literal. Um, you're literally creating neural network like crazy when you're yet when you're young and in adolescence. But it's especially important because during that time, um, there's a whole lot of myelinating going on. So the way neurons are connected to each other, the wire that gets formed when you create a bond like that, um, is uh, becomes a superconductor if it's myelinated. It means it's really well insulated, so it's a much much faster, more reliable, more stable, and more lasting connection mm. between two things. And that myelination and thus harder to change. Thus harder to change. That myelination happens like crazy before age eight, and then during puberty, and much less after that. So, the networks we created when we're really young have a way of affecting us in a big way. Okay. That's number one. God. Number two, think about like when you're little, how different the world looks than when you're big. Um, Doug Herr, uh, mm -hmm. Pete, uh, and I were talking about this years ago, and he was like, well, okay, so think about it. Adults, when you're a little kid, are like gods. They're literally giants to you. They can weigh five, six, ten times more than you do. I mean, they're huge, huge humans who can do weird things like drive automobiles and write with a pen and speak language <laughs> and work remote controls and pour a drink without spilling it everywhere. Like, they're fucking amazing, right? So <laughs> am I allowed to use that? Um, <clears throat> they're, they're amazing. And so they're like gods. And they're really usually just one or two major ones in your life, at least in your household, when your brain is trying to figure out, okay, how does life work? Quick, learn the system, yeah. right? And so Doug was saying, think about it. If you have two adults who are imperfect, which we all do, or if worse, you have two adults who are really terribly disappointing, your brain has to figure out how to make sense of that. And there are two ways you do that. Either... The gods of your universe are total idiots and incompetent to run the universe. Or there's a rule system you haven't totally learned yet, and so it's your fault. But as soon as you get that figured out, everything's going to be okay. Which one would you pick? Everybody picks the second one. So their yeah, brain right, goes right. like crazy trying to figure out how does the universe really work. And maybe what you learn is touch is dangerous or love is scary, or attention is going bad places fast. Or maybe you learn touch and love and attention and affection and being on stage and doing homework lead to really wonderful feelings. Well, if you get that over and over and over, your brain not only wires those things together, but myelinates that and those lasting connections stay with you for a long time. And even when you're not thinking about that stuff, those things stay wired together. And this is what we neurologically might consider the unconscious. But yeah. We were talking about uh, main character theory earlier in the podcast, the idea of uh, people being overly needy for attention uh -huh. uh, to the um, detriment of those around them who they sort of treat like supporting players. Can that 
can the opposite of that happen? A lack of attention lead to needing more and more and more of it when you're an adult. So instead of having overattention and so you need that attention, can the opposite happen? Absolutely. And so the okay. way you might think about that is like, you know, let's say, you know, Dave Rico, R-I-C-H-O, great author who talks about this. And he, he talks about this idea that, you know, you can pretty much break love down into five A's. And if I remember the room, it's like attention and affection and appreciation and allowance and whatnot. Um when you're getting a healthy dose of each of those in childhood, right? <laughs> As an adult, you grow up learning what a healthy dose feels like. When you're not getting a healthy dose, like you're getting way too much attention, either because uh, your parents are obsessed with your safety or they're super critical and on you about everything, mm. or you're getting too little or way too much affection. You just never get picked up mm -hmm. or you're getting touched in ways that don't feel good whatever it might be, when you're not getting the right amounts, you tend to grow up either needing way more of it than would be a normally healthy adult amount or needing way less of it until you get to work that out. So back to regression. The whole idea of regression is to go back to some of those early states to help somebody begin to feel those and to begin to pair them with better things so that let's say love or attention or affection or touch or uh, striving start to get associated with things that feel good instead of feeling bad, which gives you then access to kind of a, a more healthy amount of those things. Um, yeah. And then they're so you're using regression to re rewire the brain. In effect, you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. And what they would say about that, at least the, the hypnosis world would say, is change comes from uh, like stimulation, like unconscious stimulation times repetition. If you can stimulate it strongly enough, you don't even need more than one rep. And if not, you need lots of them. So affirmations are a very light touch. Like I am healthy, wealthy, and wise. I'm healthy, wealthy, and wise. I really believe it. I am, right? You could do those a thousand times and maybe make a little dent in it. But if you're in a deep hypnotic state and that barrier to entry is down for a little while, you can stimulate the unconscious pretty strongly and it will move somebody to a new place much more quickly. So does, does everybody need this? Is that what we're saying? Like, really, do you, have you ever met anybody who doesn't need to look at their uh, at, at, do just a little dose of regression therapy? A little, a little dose. Who needs it more, Peter? Or I? <laughs> you guys. Which of our listeners needs it the most? <laughs> uh, it's like, does everybody? I, I think almost anybody can benefit from it if you have somebody who's good at it, and 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 that can be hypnotic regression. Um, but it doesn't have to be. That's just one way to do it. Um, I mean, closing your eyes and returning to an old, um, you know, memory is regressive. And if you hang out there long enough in a vivid enough way, you're going to start to feel all the wonderful or the painful things that go with that. What's fascinating is mm. if you go back to an old memory and begin mm. to change the outcome of it, especially if you do it in a really relaxed state, either a meditative one or one where you're 
stimulating your brain bilaterally. Seeing a different ending to that outcome strangely can have an extraordinarily powerful effect on the way you hold the original lesson. That's crazy. That's, yeah. It's completely crazy. And uh, so especially if you have a little bit of help with that and you're not having to, you know, both regress and be the adult who's guiding you through it, um, it can be yeah. rapidly very powerful. But if you even have a meditation practice and you know how to just get quiet and go, yeah, go visit a young self. And here's one way to play with it. Um, go back to an old memory and um, visit that for a minute. If it's not a traumatic memory or something, you might even live through it from, you know, for a minute, like give yourself a starting and an ending. And then uh, pause and step outside it for a minute and let the whole thing turn to gray except for you. Let yourself be in full color and the rest of it's gray. And then um, it's a memory that you just don't really need anymore in your life. And you feel like there's something in about the way this memory has just got me sort of stuck back there, like something in me snagged back when I was 12 or whatever. Pick up the colorful you and say, come on, kid, like, I'm, we're out of here. Get your things. I've come to take you home, right? Salisbury Hill kind of yeah. moment of just like, kid, like, we, you don't need to be here anymore. And take yourself home. Bring yourself back to the present. Absorb that kid lovingly into yourself and see that memory as as grayed out now like like that is now yeah. fully in the past and no part of you stuck there i i think it really gets to like exactly what we were trying to to think about today and uh, what you'll hear when you hear this final episode is me exploring some of my uh memories that are horrible embarrassing shameful and uh i'm <laughs> i think i might have to visit them a little bit more mindfully thank you for jumping in here i know we've taken way too long for your five minutes you've got to go see clients and stuff so go. you're the best i love you, I love you thank you for doing this thank you and, so uh, much for the invitation all right good to see your right. faces see ya bye Oh my God, Tom, can you believe a real therapist just crashed into our conversation? That is wonderful, but also a little scary because now we've set a new bar. We sure <laughs> we have. had someone that was oops intelligent <laughs> <laughs> and qualified to talk about things. And that makes everything else that we do pale in comparison. Terrible. Just the worst. Yep. But our, our great appreciation to Dr. Dodge for hanging out Thank for you just so much, five Dodge. minutes, but literally between clients. Yeah. He is sitting in his office. The audio was uh, kind of terrible. I regret that. I'm sorry. It yeah, kept I didn't buzzing. know he was part robot. That he was is a little bit robot. <laughs> he's so a cyborg at times. He's the cyborg voice that we use for a <laughs> yeah. lot of our show. No, he is not, but he is a, a, a very dear friend and such a great sport. Maybe he'll come back with a better mic and talk to us about how wrong we are about other stuff too. Um, <laughs> I think where we were talking, we were, we were about to dig into like chat past parts therapy and psychodrama, how you act out past situations. You see that sometimes in movies. Um, that's yet another way to kind of regress is to is like I could reenact the the legendary, you know, playground slap between me and Joe, you know. Right. And and that might help to understand motivations and reactions now with an adult mind to kind of bring me into the future. But I think so much of what Dodge was talking about really nails what we've been talking about, like how you connect today's behavior to our past experience and the way our brains automatically wire themselves when we're young 
beyond our intention for them to do so. When we, before we can sit down and intentionally learn a thing, we're already learning a thing. And I think that's what makes regression such a, a weird and, it, I mean, it's not an emotion. It's not really a feeling, but all the things that come with it, I, 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 I'm, it's incredibly human. It's incredibly human. That's it. That's yeah. the way, that's the way to put it. That's the way yeah. to put it. So I, I think all of these things uh, are, are worth just thinking about. Just if you walk away from this show and think about why, why is it that I, I keep putting Legos in my mouth? Might I have missed <laughs> a message is it weird that that's where I went? Why? Because you can see what's in my mouth right now? <laughs> what if I smiled and on each of my teeth was just a little Lego head? Yeah. Oh, so creepy. What a weird grill that would be. <laughs> oh, God. Welcome back to another round of Regression Rewind, when we turn back the clock on our own podcast to see how our truths are holding up. On episode two of this season, when talking about embarrassment, Pete revealed that... I have a very strange personal feeling about embarrassment today as we record this. For the last two days, knowing this was coming, I've been racking my brain for personal embarrassing stories. Things that have happened to me that are super embarrassing. And I haven't been able to think of a single one. Don't worry, Pete. Regression Rewind has your back. Because rewinding back to January of 2021, in episode 508 of What's That Smell? Pete was talking about a, quote, hot potato game called Shock Tato, involving a metallic potato toy that gives you a severe electric shock if you're left holding it too long. Here's a clip. This game is incredibly difficult to play. It gives me great stress. Why would you ever want to play that? Wow. I do this thing. I play it. It plays music. And so... I hold it very carefully by the plastic parts. I put it on extreme and I'll hold it like this. Yeah. And it's just, it's like a game of like finger knives. The, the, oh, the finger from split. Alien. From Alien. Because when the music stops, it's going to be lit up. What's but the you song? you can't see it. One, two, three. Oh. And then I'm getting, I'm predicting like a here it goes around the mulberry bush. No, it's it's oh, yes. it's the theme from Psycho. That alone, even if it didn't shock, I don't like that potato. Yeah. No, that was. A- <laughs> 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 oh no! Shock potato for the win. <laughs> that literally just happened. <laughs> You shot tatered yourself. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh no, Pete. You've been shot tatered. This has been Regression Rewind. Looking forward into the past. Now, back to the show. Goodbye. Now we are moving forward. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Pete, what's the song been, by the way? Ain't Looking Back by Richard Farrell. 
Ain't looking back. Get it? Regression? See? We have themes here. So thematic. Uh, We spent five minutes (laughs) per episode (laughs) preparing. Um, But Pete, but do we know what we're talking about next week? We do. And this one, I think you know when it's coming. Because if you see the fall, it's right before that. That's right. We're talking about pride. Pride. There's good pride and bad pride. And we're going to hit all of it. Oh, so much pride next week. I'm a little bit nervous about talking about it, given the last seven seasons of, of What's That Smell that we've done. I think I know where we fall in this conversation. I'm just going to talk about groups of lions. Excellent. <laughs> they were going to do great. Tom, I, we have a we have a listener contribution in Discord. Don't forget, everybody, you can come and hang out with us on Discord. Uh, the mm. link is in the show notes. Look, uh, Debbie just wrote in Discord, in our, our public channel, I just mm-hmm. decided today while listening to the embarrassment episode that I'm going to start a podcast club and have everyone listen to the episodes, then come over and take turns telling stories about what made them have a certain feeling. It's like the <laughs> Moth Storytelling Hour, but aligned with these episodes. I love how you were talking about feelings and adding your experiences. I also have an underwear story. I think this is an awesome idea, Tom. And not only do I think that I think Debbie should absolutely pursue this. Mm-hmm. I also think anyone else listening, we should we want to see pictures of your all the feelings hours. Invite <laughs> friends over to share your stories. I want to mm-hmm. see all the feelings story hours. We all have yep. them. Come on, mm-hmm. have a bite. <laughs> Have a bite and a, and a terrible, embarrassing story. <laughs> Are you going to start the Los Angeles chapter? What do you, makes you think I haven't already? <laughs> <laughs> That's what Foster, Foster and I re-listened together. Outstanding. Outstanding. All right. Well, that's great, Debbie. Thank you. And everybody, thank you for uh, anybody who is uh, thinking about joining the community. Jump into the Discord community. We'd love to have you over there and listen to some shows and share your embarrassing stories, especially the underwear stories. Those are the best. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. My name is Tommy Mitz III. And I'm Pete Wright. Thanks for downloading. We'll be back next week with all the feelings. 